Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This week it's episode 122, and we're talking about Burning Man travel and tech. Indeed, we're talking with Billy Fried about his time at Burning Man this year. Uh, we also look at issues facing travel and technology and uh, talk about his new site, Kajubi. So that's coming up pretty soon, but before we get into it, let's talk about us. <laughs> Sweet. We had a great weekend in Papamo. We took the spaceship down. Um, it's a small seaside town on the east coast of uh, the North Island of New Zealand, and it was really nice. Oh, it's fantastic. We, we have friends who live down there, and we managed to catch up with three different groups of friends who all kind of know each other, so kind of interconnected. <laughs> and it was just nice. We spent most of the weekend playing board games, which makes us sound like geeks, but we're not, honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, spring's starting to appear. We've got sunshine, warm weather. It's starting to be jeans and T-shirt oh, weather yeah, rather so than jeans and T-shirt and jumper and jacket, jacket weather. And scarf. <laughs> Craig's been wearing jandals recently. It's been wonderful. It has. It's been awesome. And when I came around the waterfront today, there were so many people out. There was a kayaker. There was someone fishing. There was someone, there was someone on the beach on a towel, but with another towel over her leg, so I'm, it's kind of an interim. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite sunbathing, but... Yeah, semi-sunbathing, but there were also people swimming and wading, and it was really yeah. cool. I want to say thank you to everyone who supported us as we tried to win a three-month trip around New Zealand over the last couple of weeks. But we failed. We did. So what we're going to do is do our own thing. Yeah, which is a bit more independent anyway. <laughs> it is <laughs> a bit more in line with who we are, so... Yeah, we'll be traveling around the South Island doing cool stuff. Yep, and the North Island too. So we're starting up a special blog page at IndieTravelPodcast.com forward slash Kiwi. Kiwi. Yeah, Kiwi. It'll be good. Because it's like the great Kiwi trip. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have like a Kiwi to go with us. We're uh, traveling we, by Kiwi. We could get a, <laughs> get a little Kiwi as a, uh, as a logo. That'd be cool. Yeah, excellent. But um, yeah, so we're, we're going to be kicking that off over summer and we're looking for sponsors at the moment. So if you want to sponsor the great Kiwi trip, get in touch. Well, this episode of the Indie Travel Podcast is brought to you by da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> worldnomads.com. Worldnomads.com provides great value global travel insurance. You can buy extend and claim online even if you're already traveling which is great for us yeah definitely and all policyholders also get free travel blogs safety advice and language guides for your ipod worldnomads.com keep traveling safely this week i found out that worldnomads.com um, covers americans for domestic travel if they're traveling more than 100 k's from home so that's pretty good it's not just international travel insurance it also covers um domestic travel as well I wonder how you can be traveling if you're less than 100 kilometers from your home. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Trip down to the shops. I was traveling, honest. <laughs> Sweet. So if you come by IndieTravelPodcast.com and click on insurance and buy through the links on there, we get a small commission, which helps us keep eating. Yes. And that's great. We really like eating. <laughs> okay, well, let's get on to the interview with Billy Fried. So, Billy, you've uh, recently been at Burning Man. Can you tell us about that? Oh, Burning Man, it's the greatest celebration of the human spirit and human potential on the face of the planet. It's really an extraordinary experience, and I think it takes all the values and good intentions of the 60s and Woodstock and, uh, and, and really updates it and, and perfects it, really, in a lot of ways. The, manage it, the production of it is seamless. The, 
the the beauty of the art and the spirit of the people. Everybody's so optimistic and happy and giving and this great sense of community. You can't help but leave that place affected and feeling good about your fellow man and being energized, which is what I was looking for given that I'm about to launch a major website. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, I guess some of our listeners will have never heard of Burning Man, believe it or not. Can you um, just give us a quick 30-second pricing? Sure. Well, I'm not sure that's a bad thing. You know, they want to keep this so- somewhat underground and not so commercial. But it started in 1986, I believe, on a beach in San Francisco. A fellow uh, was uh, ending a bad relationship, and he wanted to reinvent himself. He invited a few friends to the beach where he decided to burn an effigy of himself, a wooden uh, replica of a man. And this was the way of purging the bad juju or spirits that he had been experiencing in this relationship and starting anew. And it was about 30 people that year. They liked it so much, they said, why don't we come back and do it again next year? I think it was 90 people, then 300. <clears throat> At that point, the, the beach was too small, and they moved it to a remote uh, dry lake bed in uh, central Nevada, about three hours north of Reno. And today, it enjoys about 50,000 people who make the pilgrimage by RV, car, uh, tent, a tent camp, and they set up a a uh, temporary city for the week, um, and no money is exchanged. Everybody provides services for free, whether it's giving food, shelter, uh, beverage, or just performing, and it's filled with artists. You've never seen so many hoopers and hula dancers and jugglers and fire dancers and drummers and musicians, and uh, but mostly <clears throat> incredible artistry, people that build giant uh, robotic structures in the middle of the desert, uh, that light up at night with neon lighting and is all temporary. And at the end of this seven days, they have the same Burning Man uh, effigy, only now it's about 60 feet tall, and they burn it. And uh, it's a big pyrotechnic display. So they, the festival means a lot of things to a lot of people. For some people, it's just a chance to go out and party and dance. Uh, other people, it's a chance to go out and have sex. And for other people, it's actually a real spiritual experience where they go out and have a personal transformation and there's a lot of that, a lot of workshops, yoga, massage, uh, seminars, and things like that. And being out in this, what they describe as an energy vortex, really moves a lot of people. And they go out and they, they meditate or they, they, uh, they, get, they have encounters with people. They meet uh, friends that they make for life. So it's, a, it's truly a, an experience that is multidimensional depending on how you approach it. But uh, it's growing it's a big ordeal to get there because you have to bring everything in and take everything out. You leave no trash behind. But people make incredible sacrifices to have this week of euphoria and celebration. To me, it almost seems like we're seeing the beginning of a, a modern ritual um, that, that might last for some time. Well, I think you're right. I think uh, this is the next level of human consciousness. I think we're obviously at a at a touchstone here in civilization uh, with all of our environmental problems and uh, the dwindling amount of natural resources. And I think this was a real uh, exercise in heightened consciousness where money is not the focal point. People, There's no greed. There's no taking. And uh, really imagine, reimagine the human spirit where people are there to happily give and, and they'll spend their own money to, to give out food or or drinks, or, or, or gifts, or things like that, with no expectation of anything in return, um, and all helping one another to build this model city that's founded on beauty and art, 
And uh, I think it is setting a model for a new way. And actually, people that leave Burning Man are spreading this gospel. Uh, there's an organization called Burner, which Burners Without Borders, uh, that goes into third world countries and crisis. Uh, you know, they went down to New Orleans after Katrina. Instead of going to New Orleans, though, they went to a small town in Mississippi. And they have these great skills of erecting temporary shelter, tenting, triage, and uh, providing supplies. And they all do it voluntarily. So I think it's creating a sense of altruism and community and compassion in people that they might not have had before. And I think it's uh, coming at a critical time. I want to um, change topic a little bit, Billy, and because um, I know you're involved heavily in travel and new media. So what do you think are some of the, the big changes that are in play at the moment? Well, as far as, uh, you know, yes, I'm involved in traveling. I do, uh, do it for a living and I do it uh, for recreation as well. Um, and what I'm seeing, at least in new media, is sort of a, a new transparency, a leveling, uh, if you will, where there's a lot less hidden fees with the OTAs and the aggregators and uh, a lot more flexibility for the consumer with cancellation fees, uh, with access to more information. So I think the competition drives that, certainly, and uh, a lot of the extra little fees that the OTAs used to collect, they have to eliminate because the consumers become wise to it and their competitors aren't charging that. So I think there's a benefit out there in the online travel to the, to the consumer. Um, there's also a sense that uh, more information needs to be provided, whether it's a hotel room or an activity experience. People want to see videos. They want to see pictures. They want reader reviews and ratings, everything to help them make an informed decision. And they want also a turnkey experience, you know, one site that can go on and, and, and solve all their issues so they don't have to jump around and do a lot of Google searches and figure out, you know, the, the airline piece on one site, the rent-a-car, the hotel, the activities, the restaurants. So integration and, uh, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, a, a of full-service turnkey 360 offerings is what I'm seeing now. At the moment, a lot of people are... Um not complaining, but a lot of industry commentators are talking very negatively about consumer-generated content, especially in terms of uh, the reviews and things like that you were just talking about. Um, what do you reckon about that? You know, it's, it's, it's going to happen regardless. I mean, when you open it up and, be, and it becomes democratic and, and, and people can vote with their feet or their hands or their mouse, uh, I think you know, there's going to be a, a level of discontent as, as you grow bigger you know, you're going you're gonna to face more problems. As more reader-generated content uh, appears, there's going to be questions about the veracity of it, uh, you know, the objectivity. Do they have an axe to grind? Are they spamming? And um, I think that's just a, a natural outgrowth of the maturing of the industry. I still think it's a vital component in the travel-related industry where people are going to unknown destinations, unknown hotels and accommodations, I still believe that reader recommendations, as long as you can sift through them and recognize that some of them are biased or angry or what have you, is the most valuable uh, information that a, that, a, that a consumer can can uh, can find to make an informed decision. So I'm still a big believer in it. I just think you have to sift through it and, and find what's of real value. Mm, yeah, good call. Um, and you're working on your own, your own site, uh, Kajubi. Tell us about that. Well, we like to tell everybody, what could you be doing? Could you be adventurous? Could you be active? Could you be romantic? Uh, if you could be, then you should go to kajubi.com. We are an experienced marketplace. 
um, hopefully inspiring those who want to get up out of their chair and do things, active things, uh, they can find everything that they want on our site. And by that, I mean mostly recreational activities. Um, we see it as the last unaggregated segment of the travel industry. You know, the OTAs do a great job of getting you to your destination, getting you your rent-a-car and your accommodations, but they don't do much about telling you what to do when you get there. And, uh, you know, that's really what makes the travel experience are the adventures, the activities that you do with your friends, your family, and those are the memories you build. You know, nobody comes home from a trip and says, man, my rent-a-car was fantastic or my, my, my hotel made my trip. You know, those are, those are the tent poles of your experience. Hopefully those go smoothly. You're not going to complain about them, but they're not going to make your trip. And, and what makes the trip are those exotic experiences that you wouldn't get at home, whether it's, you know, soaring over the Grand Canyon, shark diving, uh, bungee jumping, ATVing in the desert, the adrenaline things, the cultural things. So we've sought to aggregate and organize all that information because we saw a real void in the market. You know, most people arrive at their destination they go to their hotel lobby and they find a rack full of brochures. That's just dumb. I mean, that's just old school. As is, you know, going to a kiosk at a tourist destination and having some guy tell you that, you know, you can go fishing and snorkeling the next day for 20% off. What, what consumers crave is information, uh, and that's what we've sought to do with Kajubi in a very organized way where you can search by location, by category, by type. So, you know, category, you know, look for everything that's available in the air, on land, in the sea, or by type. I want to find everything available to family fun, uh, adventure, adrenaline, culture, competition. So we really slice and dice it so that we can offer our users the opportunity to find not only exactly what they're looking for, but also discover new things they might not have thought of before. And it's all contained on one site, and we have a booking engine whereby... They can make advanced reservations and arrive at their vacation or even for the weekend with peace of mind that they're not going to stand in line. It's not going to be sold out or closed. You know, we always think of that uh, experience uh, in vacation, National Lampoon's vacation, where Clark drives cross country to go to Wally World and uh, he goes through all that ordeal with his family and he arrives and finds out it's closed. Um, that's, and then he, I think he takes the guard hostage and makes him open the park. Uh, that's what we seek to avoid with Kajubi is so you have peace of mind, you've planned out this vacation, you've discovered incredible fun things to do, and now your dance card is filled, and uh, every day is an adventure. Mm-hmm. You don't have to take any guards hostage along the way. Right. <laughs> Excellent. Well, um, one thing I was thinking about when I was thinking about the site is um, a common complaint about guidebooks. It's that Kind of this year's paradise is next decade's kind of tourism ghetto. So while you know tourism money helps the local economy, but it often bastardizes uh, the experience. It kills it off. And um, do you think that new media tools are going to have a similar effect to what guidebooks had in the past? Wow, now there's a great question because uh, I have uh, very strong feelings about <clears throat> when you travel to exotic locations and the the importance of them retaining their native, uh, you know, their pristine nature and, and not be overrun with tourism. And that's a really tough call because those of us in the tourist business uh, encourage people to go on adventure travel because nothing is more enriching uh, than getting outside of your normal box and experiencing other cultures. Nothing is more educational, I think, more humbling, gives you a better worldview and makes you perhaps more compassionate towards uh, you know, your fellow man. At the same time, you know, it's hard to prevent 
with the advent of all this information technology uh, and, you know, of course, and, and modern travel, it's hard to prevent the degradation of a lot of these pristine areas. So it's, it's a tough call. I mean, I, I really ride the fence on that one, to be, to be candid. Now, I, I have a piece of land in Mexico. I'm a surfer, and I like to go down there and not see condominiums and Americans and that boorish behavior of tourism. I really like to be integrated with the locals. And, um, you know, you go down there, and I can see it coming. And so I'm torn, you know, how much we want to provide in, in information online to people and, and really reveal these very special places that are, are, are rare. I will say when you mention guidebooks being out of date, you know, anything that's on the printed page now can be outdated very quickly. Um, and certainly um, online, the experience of reader reviews that are updated and fresh can give people a, a much more uh, up-to-date impression of, of where they're going for better or for worse. So, um, you know, the world's just uh, getting overcrowded and there's less and less of these places. But I will say this, there's a real distinction between the tourist and the traveler. And the tourist is still going to go where they're going to feel safe, in modern hotels, on tour buses, and they're really not going to get into the culture deeply and experience it. And those travelers, they're going to find these places regardless. You know, even if there's no internet, they're going to use word of mouth. They're going to sit at the local cafe or bar in Istanbul or or Bangladesh or wherever, and they're going to find these exotic places to go because you can't quell the human spirit of a, of a traveler. They're going to go and find it anyway. The question is, you know, how many other people, when, once it's revealed, will, will, will follow that similar path? And I, I do think there's a ma major segment of the population that just doesn't want to get dirty and, uh, and, and will never do those kind of adventure trips. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, well, thinking along those lines, um, I can see how... Kajubi.com would be good for vacationers, for tourists, people who are going for a set amount of time and hooking things up. How is it going to help travelers who maybe don't even know when they're going to be leaving the destination? They don't have their outward ticket booked. They're just there until they finish being there. Well, it's, it's a research tool. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be an online booking tool. Uh, our content is deep, and so uh, frequently we have more information about a particular activity or adventure than you would find on that company's website. Um, uh, and that's one of the values that we offer our constituents, being the, the, the activity vendors, is um, we can help give them a better presence, more visibility on the web. A lot of them have, you know, pretty basic websites. They don't do any SEO SEM, they, um, they don't have any way to book online on that website. So we take their content, enhance it. We try to make sure we think like a consumer so that everything on, that, on the details page uh, is there to answer those questions. You know, we, we have a lot of text about what to expect, what you'll find when you'll get there, what to bring, um, lots and lots of pictures, videos, which we think is crucial uh, for, for experiences like ours that are so visual. So we really uh, try to position it as a, as a research tool as well, hoping that we'll be bookmarked and remembered, and when it comes time to book the experience, they'll, they'll remember to come back to Kajubi. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool. Well, let us in on um, one secret before we go. What's something that I would not find in a guidebook, but I would find on Kajubi? On Kajubi, but not in a guidebook. Uh, well... I, I want to start by saying, because I, I was going to interpret your question a little bit differently, I would like to tell your listeners that uh, an experience I had recently that may not be in the travel books, but uh, that I find just fascinating is uh, in the city of Paris, France, 
uh, where my daughter lives right now, there is uh, a public transport system called the Valib. You familiar with that, Craig? No, I don't know the Valib. Oh, about three years ago, when the French people went away on vacation, they, uh, their summer vacation in August, they came back and found that the city now had about 10,000 bicycles spread out through the city that you could rent with the swipe of a credit card uh, and yes, ride one yeah, and ride one way to another destination and leave it there. And um, I've seen it and experienced it several times now, and I think it's one of the smartest urban projects I've seen, and I'd love to see other cities in the U.S. follow suit. Uh, it's so well thought out, and, and it, you know, it, it decreases congestion. It increases the health benefits of people because now they're out riding around. It's a marvelous way to see the city, and it works. I mean, they have, they have some kinks. A lot of times, you know, you'll go to return a bike and the station that you go to, they're all filled and you have to look around for another station or conversely, you'll go to find a bike and they're all taken. But they do a darn good job of trying to replenish. At nighttime, you'll see these flatbed trucks taking the bikes uh, all the way to different stations and replenishing them. And uh, I, I think, you know, we all are talking about alternative energy. I'd like to see more human-powered energy, more people riding their bikes, whatever town they live in. And this is a great urban project that, that absolutely works and I think uh, has been already uh, replicated in other cities and, and uh, Paris gets a lot of credit for actually doing it. Mm, think um, of that. Have you seen the, the Schwieb, if that's the Vib? The Schwieb? No, yeah. I have not. Ah, it's, um, it's a human-powered monorail. It's, somewhere, it's a cross between kind of a bike and a bullet. And um, yeah, they've got a test bed down here in Rotorua, New Zealand. And um, yeah, it's a suspended, suspended monorail, but um, it's run by foot power. You pedal your monorail around, and as more of the compartments join up together, um, it increases the um, the amount of speed you get for the energy you put into it. So you get a couple that sounds of awesome. together. Yeah, it's really but you, cool. You got, so this is an above ground monorail system that that's uh, suspended above uh, above the city. Yeah, well, at the moment they've just got a test bed out um, in one of the adventure parks outside of Rotorua, but they're pitching it to several cities at the moment and trying to get funding to to put it in as a form of inner city um, transport. That'd be awesome. I mean, I, they've talked for years in LA about an above ground uh, monorail system, but you know, it would be so costly, it's so spread out. But perhaps uh, you know, on a smaller basis, smaller towns, that would be that'd be great mm. and a great way to see the city. Yeah, absolutely. So getting back to your other question, Craig, as far as you know, what, what could you find on Kajubi that you wouldn't be able to find uh, anywhere else? And, uh, you know, we, 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 we're proud to say that we try to be uh, scorch the earth in terms of having every activity and the very everyday activities, jet ski rentals, ATV rentals, surf lessons, things like that, that we know everybody loves to do uh, and is affordable. But we also have some pretty exotic ones. For instance, we have zero-gravity uh, space travel, where you can go up on a rocket ship and experience weightlessness, and they actually will go into the Earth, uh, out of the Earth's atmosphere, and then they nosedive, and that allows you to actually suspend in the air at z- with zero gravity and experience weightlessness. Um, it's not for everybody; it costs uh, about five thousand dollars a throw, but uh, it's just one of those more fun things that we can point to that you can find on Kajubi. That's cool. Well, Billy, thanks for coming on the show and talking about, well, Burning Man and travel and tech. Um, <laughs> it's been brilliant. Yeah, well, I invite all your listeners to go to Burning Man next year. It starts on September, uh, August 30th and ends on uh, 
uh, September 6th, and uh, they will come out of it renewed and excited and uh, ready to tackle their various uh, online projects. Cool, cool. Well, thanks so much, and uh, hopefully we'll catch you in the future. All right, Greg. Thanks so much. Sweet. Great having Billy on the show. Yeah, thanks, Billy. Hey, before we finish up, I want to say thanks once again to our sponsor and tell you about a great initiative they've set up. At worldnomads.com, you can support a Footprints community development project when you purchase your travel insurance online. Worldnomads.com. Keep traveling safely. And don't forget, if you do come to IndieTravelPodcast.com, you'll find the insurance link at the top of the page. And that's where we have some of our experiences with travel insurance, and we'll show you why we chose World Nomads for our own travel insurance. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Well, I think that's pretty much us for this week. It is. Um, that Kiwi trip page is beginning to take form, so check that out at uh, IndieTravelPodcast.com slash Kiwi. And, of course, support our sponsor, WorldNomads.com. And until next week, travel well.